and uh, became a child of God, got regenerated, got justified, got sanctified, whole nine yards, all in one, all in one shot. Take your Bibles and turn with me, if you would, in your Old Testament to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 16. 1 Samuel, chapter 16, and we're going to look at verses 14 through, uh, down through 23. 1 Samuel 16, verses 14 down through 23. This, this incident takes place in Israel. Saul is the king of Israel at the time. And uh, on two distinct, uh, in two distinct incidents, he has been disobedient to God. And uh, the, the blessing of God has, is, is really God's hand has, has uh, lifted off of Saul, where it was a, a blessing and, 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 a, and, and a directive hand uh, that was beginning to cease. And it was starting to show up in Saul. And uh, this takes place before the David and Goliath story takes place. Uh, and and uh, uh, David is summoned to come and to be a blessing and be a help and, and be a comfort to the king when he's in a little one of his moods. If, you'll, if you look in your Bibles in, in uh, chapter 16, verses 14 through 23, let's stand together. If your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, allow them to look on with you if you would. But look, look with me first, first off, starting off in verse 14. It says, But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servants said unto him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Let our, our Lord now uh, command thy servants, which are before thee, to seek out a man who is a cunning player on an harp. And it shall come to pass, when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well, and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning in playing, and a mighty valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. Wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse, and said, Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. And Jesse took an ass laden with bread and a bottle of wine and a kid and sent them by David his son unto Saul. And David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. And it came to pass... When the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we pray your blessings upon this time together in your word. We pray that as the word goes out, that it go out with power and go out to hearts that are good ground for your book and for, for the seed, and uh, Father, we pray that the Word of God would do the work with the Spirit of God convicting our hearts, would do the work that, was, that you have intended to do tonight. 
We pray that there'd be nothing that would uh, hinder the uh, effectiveness of the Word of God and the Spirit of God uh, working together to bring us to a place of decision. We pray, Father, that you would guide and direct and bless in, in this time together in your Word, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. All God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. The, the title of my message tonight is Causes and Cures of, of Irritability. And we're really being extremely gracious <laughs> to, to King Saul when we, when we say that at, at the least he was irritable. Uh, he certainly was, and he, was, he, he, was, he had some, some real emotional and spiritual problems. Uh, irritable is defined as, as someone who is uh, easily annoyed, ill-tempered, abnormally sensitive. You ever been there? <laughs> I've been there. I've been there way too many times. And uh, there's, uh, there's, there's some things that we see in the life of Saul that brought him to that point where irritability uh, was just was just a way of life for him. It seemed like every little thing that that was done uh, got him mad and got him upset. Uh, he was characterized by emotional instability and and characterized by by irritability from about this point on. Now there's there's three there's three causes and cures that we see in the life of Saul. That, uh, that, that show the reasons why he had a problem with being irritable. The first one that we see, if you look with me down in verse 23, this is kind of an interesting verse. I think it really it, it, uh, it, uh, tells us a lot, not just about Saul, but also about, about music and the kind of effect that music can have on us. In verse 23, it says, And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp, and played with his hand, so Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. Uh, the, the word refreshed uh, intimates that and implies that Saul was exhausted. Uh, he, was, he was tired. And there's, there's three types of exhaustion that we, can, that we can experience. First one is physical, and Saul had fought many battles. He had, he had uh, gone against the enemy and been victorious time after time, but that takes effort, and, the, and that, that physically exhausts someone. The second thing, second kind of exhaustion is emotional exhaustion, and God had rejected Saul as king and told him so. Two different incidents, uh, and we'll take a look at those incidents in, in just a moment, but... but uh, he had already been told that God's hand was off of him, that the, the blessings of God would no longer be upon him, and uh, yet he was still on the throne. And, and the Lord had already anointed David, whether or not King Saul knew that, I, we don't know that, we're not, getting, we're not made privy to that, but God had already started to prepare David to eventually take the throne, and, uh, and, and God's hand was already being removed off of, off of uh, Saul as he, was, as he was continuing his reign as king. And, and so there's physical exhaustion, there's emotional exhaustion, and then the third thing is mental exhaustion. And uh, all of the major decisions uh, fell upon King Saul. 
And, and it was, there was a, a point where he was just absolutely, completely, physically, uh, emotionally, and mentally exhausted. It's, it's uh, not necessarily sin to be in that kind of, of, of condition or that kind of position. Uh, when, uh, when, when things seem to just be piling down on you, you can get into that exhausted state. And that's where Saul was. One of the things he needed, now this is not the most important thing, but it's the first thing we're going to look at. Uh, one of the things he needed was he just needed to have some rest. He just needed to take a break. And uh, the people around him knew that, and so they called David in. They knew what kind of an effect David's music would have on the king that it would cause him to relax, that it would cause him to be refreshed, and that it would have a, a spiritual effect on him. It's, it's interesting to, to notice, uh, first of all, the, the basic purpose of music, and you find this all the way through Scripture, the basic purpose of music is to glorify God. First time you find any kind of, uh, of, of um, music showing up in Scripture, it's... Uh, over in the Old Testament where it talks about the fact that at one time that there were five cherubs that were around the throne of God. There was one in the, one in the front, one in the back, one on each side. And then there was an, an anointed cherub that covered the throne. And that anointed cherub that covered the throne was, was Lucifer. And the Bible describes Lucifer as having musical pipes built into him. Uh, the implication there is that he provided music around the throne of God. And, and, and throughout Scripture, everywhere you find music mentioned, the purpose, the basic purpose for music is, is to, to glorify God and to give God the honor and glory that is, is deserving of him. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's tough to be irritable when you're glorifying God. It's just the bottom line. Uh, you start, you, you know, have you ever done this? Have you ever come into the service kind of gnarly, kind of irritable, kind of out of sorts? And we sing the first two songs and God starts working on your heart already. Just, just from singing a couple of congregational songs. Why is that? Well, because that's one of the things that music is supposed to do. It's, it's, it's supposed to glorify God, and as we glorify God, that affects our spirits. Um, keep your finger here and go with me to Colossians chapter 3 for just a minute. New Testament, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And look with me down in verse 16. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now, music is supposed to be used to, to teach us some things, to admonish us about some things, and to glorify God and to give God the honor and glory that, that he deserves. So that's the basic purpose of music. 
The basic effect of music, however, is emotional. Um, have, have you ever listened to a song and was immediately brought back to an incident in your life? Uh, you listened to a, a song and immediately you thought of someone or you thought of something or it stirred an emotion in you. I've had it happen where I've been getting ready for the day and I'm listening to some Christian music and something will come on about, about salvation and about what happened the day he got saved and so forth. And there's just something in the music that touches my heart. I find myself getting a little tear in the eye. Um, that doesn't happen uh, a, a lot, but from time to time I've, I've had that, that occur. And one of the effects that music has upon us is an emotional effect. Now, that's good as long as it's the right emotion. You listen to the right music, and you'll have the right emotional effects. You listen to the wrong music, and you'll have the wrong emotional effects. Um, one of the, one of the uh, uh, th uh, lines of thought that's out there today, is, and honestly... I have only heard this in Christian circles. I've never heard this by the world. The world knows better than that. Secular people know that this is not true. But, but I've, I've heard, uh, I've, I've heard uh, Christian folks, and leaders in particular, say that music is amoral. That means it doesn't have an effect on a person one way or the other. That is not true. And Secular musical artists know that's not true. And they know that music does have an effect. And uh, certain kinds of music will cause certain kinds of emotions, can cause thoughts. Um, you know, it's like this. If you were to take a line, or you were to take a, a pencil and just ask, ask Grant Miller this, take a, a, a pencil or a pen, or, or a, a paintbrush and draw a line. What have you got? You don't have anything. It's just a line. But when you start adding more lines to it, then it starts to take on a moral character. You start adding some colors to it, and it takes on moral character. Just a, a single line is not anything moral. But when, when it starts to become art, then it starts to become moral either one way or the other. It's either something good or it's something that's not good. Same way with music. Music can be used for the glory of God, can be used for good, or it can be used to, to uh, cause us to have the wrong kind of emotions. And all music produces some sort of, a, of an emotional effect. Um, I've, heard, I've heard some people say, uh, well, uh, there's certain kind of music that's good and there's certain kind of music that's not so good. And uh, then I've heard people say, well, of course, all classical music is good. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that at all. Uh, if you were to look at some of, the, uh, some of the classical music that was written by Beethoven, you know, you know what impression you come away from from that music? He was ticked off at somebody. <laughs> I mean, he was. Now, there are other times when it's very joyful, but there are times when he's just angry. I mean, he is upset, and it's quite obvious, and it shows up in the music, and music does have that kind of effect on us. 
Uh, modern music today is, is designed to produce a state of emotional uprest and uh, unrest and upheaval. Uh, I was brought up in the 60s. And you, you, you uh, read quotes of artists from the 60s, and they, did the mu they played the music that they played, and they designed it in such a way to, to cause rebellion and to cause unrest and to cause people to get stirred up. Um, that was the purpose of the music, and they'll tell you that. And then so-called Christian folks come along and say music is amoral, and it really doesn't, uh, it's just the words, it's not the music. No, they know better than that. Um, you, can, you can take music, and you can literally... And I've read article after article about this. You can take music and literally manipulate people through the music. Um, there was a, this is years ago, and I don't even know if it still in, is in existence, but there was a company called Muzak. And Muzak uh, really designed music to be played, certain kinds of music in certain kinds of environments. Uh, for instance, you've heard of quote-unquote, elevator music, all right? Uh, the music that you would hear, and I, I can't tell you the last time I heard any kind of music coming out of an elevator, but uh, uh, elevator music was designed with a purpose. Uh, they, they used to pipe music into various factories because they found out that certain kind of music caused them to get better results on the production line. And so, so music can have an effect. The effect that this music had on Saul was, was threefold. If you look with me on, in verse 23, it says, It came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul that David took an harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. It says he was refreshed. That means that his spirit was recharged. It says he was made well. It actually affected him physically. And then it says the evil spirit departed from him. He, it, it affected him, it affected him uh, spiritually. So the right kind of music will have a, a good physical effect, a good emotional effect, and a good spiritual effect. Well, this is something that Saul needed. And he needed it because he needed to be rested. Sometimes uh, our irritability is just simply because uh, we're tired. What, maybe what you need is you need a good nap on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, maybe what you need is just to make sure that you go to bed a little bit earlier so that uh, you get the proper sleep throughout the week. Uh, maybe what you need is to, you know, and this is something that I have, have uh, for years uh, tried to, to push around here, take a vacation. Uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, I, I love Auburn, New York. It's my favorite place of all the places that I have lived. But there are times when you just need to get out of Dodge, okay? You just need to get out of here and you need to, to shake up your, your, your uh, um, you know, your routine a little bit and get some rest and get some relaxation. Now, that's the, fir that's the first, first cause. That's not the most serious cause. That's really the, the peripheral cause, uh, the physical cause that uh, can cause a person to get irritable, but it is real. And sometimes what is needed is just to have some rest. 
Then there's the second cause. Go back, if you would, chapter 16, and look with me in verse 14. Verse 14 is the first verse that we read this evening. It says, But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Uh, what had happened was Saul lost fellowship with God, and he lost fellowship with God because he was disobedient to God. And that took place because of two incidents in his life. Let's take a look at them. Go with me back to 1 Samuel chapter 13. 1 Samuel 13. Saul had been made king, and he was preparing to go up against the Philistine army. The Philistines were breathe, literally breathing down his neck and were putting pressure on him, getting closer and closer and closer. And Samuel said, said, uh, told him, said, listen, before you go into battle, he says, I, I want to uh, make an offering and uh, we'll get you spiritually prepared and then you go off into battle. And in verse eight, it says, and he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering and it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of the offering, of, the, of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came and Samuel went out to meet him that he might salute him. Then you, you drop down with me, if you would, to verse uh, 14. And it says, but, but now, and this is Samuel speaking to Saul. He says, but now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord uh, hath sought him a man after his own heart. The Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. Uh, it was not the responsibility of Saul to make an offering. That was the responsibility of the prophet. Uh, so when he did that, he acted outside of his realm of authority. And he used as an excuse, well, Samuel, you were late. Uh, you didn't come at the time that, you, that was appointed that you said you would come. The pressure was great, and so we really needed to get going, so I just went ahead and did it myself. Well, the problem is he ignored God's word and he ignored the, the, the lined out responsibilities that God had upon the king and that God had upon, upon the prophets. And the prophet could go ahead and make the offering, but the king was not supposed to do that. And because he was out of place and because he had disregarded the word of God and disregarded his his clear lines of responsibility, then God began to withdraw his hand from the, the life and from the rain and from the blessings that he had, had put upon Saul. The, the, the second thing that he did, go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15, and look with me in verses 1 through 3. 2 Samuel 15, verses 1 through 3. So Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember 
that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek, that's the Amalekites, and, and utterly destroy all that they have. And spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. Now drop down to me, down, down to verse 14. After he goes ahead and, and leads the armies of Israel into battle against the Amalekites, in verse 14, uh, it, it, it says this. Um, well, look with me, uh, hang on. Go to, go to verse 7. Go back up to verse 7. And Saul smote the Amalekites from, uh, from uh, Havilah until thou comest to Shur that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. Now keep in mind, he told them he said, destroy them all. He didn't, say, he didn't tell them to spare anybody and he spared the king. Verse 9 but Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them, although that's what he was told to do. But everything that was vile and refuse, that they destroyed utterly. Then came the word of the Lord unto, unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king. For he is turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel. And he cried unto the Lord all night. Samuel had a heart for, for, uh, for King Saul. And when he heard that he had been disobedient, he didn't get angry. He didn't get mad. He got brokenhearted. And he was, he was, he was grieving over the task that he was about to have to, have to do. Verse 12 and when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set him up a place and has gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? In other words, if you've really been obedient, then why do I hear the Amalekite sheep uh, ble bleeding and the oxen uh, lowing? That should not be. They should have been absolutely, totally destroyed, and they were not. Uh, Saul uh, was partially obedient, but not completely obedient. He did slay some of the people, but not all of the people. He slayed most of the, of the livestock, but not all of it. And he was given a, an express commandment to take care of all of that, and he did not do that. He had a responsibility that was given to him, and he did not fulfill it. And then when you continue on down in the narrative, you find that he gives excuses. He says, well, the people wanted me to do this, and the people wanted me to do that. And uh, uh, he also said, well, I have done what the Lord has told me to do, implying that the instructions that Samuel gave were not the same that the instructions uh, were, were given to, to Saul personally, which he wasn't. He was given instructions through Samuel, through the prophet. 
And so the bottom line was, was that he was uh, uh, negligent in fulfilling his responsibilities. He did not do what he should have done, and therefore he was disobedient to God. Now, what would the cure to that be? What would the cure to that be? In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Anytime that we sin against God, we need to come to God and admit it, not make excuses, not, not, uh, you know, not, not do circles or, or around the truth, but just say, okay, I, I'm wrong. I, I have sinned. I have sinned against God. And, and be honest in your confession and then turn from your sin. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 28. Proverbs 28. In Proverbs 28, I want you to look with me down to verse 13. <clears throat> Proverbs 28, 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. And that's exactly what Saul tried to do. He tried to cover his sin. He made excuses for it. He, he went around what the real commandment was, uh, and, and he tried to cover it. He says, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Uh, he, was not, he was not honest, first of all, with God, and second of all, he wasn't honest with, with God's prophet. And the, the cure for, for disobedience is just simply repent, confess your sin, and get that thing right. Uh, if you compare, and one of, the, one of the, I think one of the greatest comparisons in Scripture is the comparison of the, the reign of King Saul, the first king of Israel, and then the reign of King David, the second king of, of Israel. And, and both of them, while they were acting as king, sinned. Both of them had disrupted fellowship with God because of sin in their life. But here's the difference. The difference is how Saul responded when he was caught in a sin and how David responded when he was caught in a sin. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Psalm 32. <coughs> Psalm 32. Psalm 32. Look with me down in verses 1 through 5. This is a psalm of David. And, and uh, in verse 1 it says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. God was convicting him of his sin. My moisture is, is turned into the, the drought of summer, Selah. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of, of my sins, Selah. 
The difference between Saul and David is when Saul got caught, he made excuses. When he was found in his sin, he tried to get around it and tried to make excuses for it. When, when uh, uh, Samuel caught him giving the offering, he said, well, it's because you were late. It's not my fault. It's your fault. You should have been here on time. When, uh, when he got caught not fulfilling his responsibility in taking care of all of the Amalekites and all of their, uh, of their uh, cattle and, and, and lambs and so forth, uh, he, he, he just simply said, well, the, the people put pressure on me and the Lord led me to do something different. Well, it, well, in both cases, he did not take full responsibility for his sin. Every time David is found to be in sin, and he sees it and he realizes, he says, whoa, I am wrong, God is right. I need to confess my sin, I need to admit my sin, I need to get that thing taken care of, I need to get right. And he doesn't make any excuses and you see that over and over and over again. What's the, what's the cure for sins? Confession. It's, it's confessing your sin, repenting of your sin and turning from your sin and dealing with it. David dealt with his sin. Saul did not deal with his sin. And, and that was what really made the difference. And when, when you don't deal with sin in your life, can I tell you what happens? You get irritable. When God's talking to you about something and you refuse to take care of it, you get a little bit of an edge on you. Now, sometimes it, you know that irritability is caused by a lack of rest. Sometimes it's caused because we, we have uh, sinned against God and not taking care of that thing. God's dealing with us and we're not really paying attention like we ought to. Uh, and it, it is so important for us to keep a, a daily walk with God and uh, to, to keep uh, close accounts with the Lord so that uh, God can continue to work in us and work through us and, and, and bless us, and that irritability does not, does not pile up. And I found this to be the case, that, that the more you put off an issue that God's dealing with you about, the more that thing builds up on the inside, and the more irritable you become. If that's the case, you need to look at your own life and say, is, is God dealing with me about something that I refuse to relent to and, and refuse to get right about? Well, the, the, the third cause of irritability is, is found over in chapter 16, if you would, with me. Go to chapter 16 and, and um, 1 Samuel 16 and verses 21 and 22. Chapter 16, verses 21 22, it says, and, came to, and, and David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. One thing about David, uh, David loved Saul. You know, it's, it's interesting. You follow that relationship through. And particularly after David defeats Goliath and the women start singing the song of David has, or Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. 
he starts getting jealous and he starts getting stirred up and he starts looking at David as a threat. Let me tell you something. David was never a threat. He never was a threat. But in Saul's mind, he was a threat. Bible tells us right here that David loved Saul. He thought the world of Saul. The truth of the matter is, the very best friend that Saul had on the face of this earth was, was David. <laughs> David would support him. David was, one of the, was, was the most, not one of, he was the most loyal person in the kingdom. But he treated him like an enemy. And in his own mind, he was an enemy. What, what had Saul done? Saul had sinned against the love of David. David loved him and cared for him, and Saul did not return that love. And because of that, and because he had, you know, uh, had really what he did was he made some evil surmisings. And uh, I'm sure eventually he heard about the anointing with Samuel and how that God was, was looking to David to be the next king. And, uh, and he, he started twisting some things around in his own heart and in his own mind. And uh, he started putting, putting uh, incidents together, thinking that David was a threat. David was never a threat. David loved Saul. David would have given his life for King Saul. And yet Saul did not see that. And the reason why is because Saul became jealous. He became envious. He became worried. He knew that God's hand was off of him because he refused to get those things right. You never find anywhere in Scripture where he gets uh, that thing right about the offering and where he truly repents about uh, not uh, killing all the Amalekites and taking care of that command that God had given to him. And uh, yes, he, he, he goes to Samuel and says, I have sinned. But it's, it's kind of like the guy, the kid that gets his hand caught in the cookie jar, you know. Uh, well, I'm sorry I got my hand caught in the cookie jar, but I'm not, I'm not sorry that I got crumbs all over my mouth because I've eaten some good cookies. Uh, that's, that's exactly the kind of attitude that, uh, that King Saul had. And we, there's no record of him ever getting either of those things taken care of. Because of that, that affected his relationship. That he, that he had uh, on a daily basis with, with David. And what Saul did is Saul allowed Saul to become first in his life. God was no longer first in his life. Others were no longer second in his life. Uh, he exalted himself over all of them. And Samuel told him this. He says, you know, when you were little in your own sight, you were okay. But when you started thinking too much of yourself... That's when you started having problems. And pride causes us not only to uh, sin against the love that others show to us, but pride also causes us to just to get irritable. We're not pleasant to be around when pride gets a hold of things. And, and if you take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians 13. Those of you that are familiar with the scripture, you know what that chapter is. It's the charity chapter. And, and it's speaking about charity is, is, is specifically, it's charity is not love that we show to God. 
Charity is the love that we show to others. And it's God working through us and exhibiting his love through us for others. And if you look with me in verses, verses 4 and 5, uh, he, he defines what, what charity is. And uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, First Corinthians 13, verse 4, says this, says, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, not proud. Doth not behave itself unseemly, like, like, like uh, Saul was. Uh, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Is not easily provoked means that you're not, you're not irritable. Uh, if you love folks the way that you're supposed to love folks, and that always comes from loving God the way that we should love God, and then that filters down into loving others the way that we should love others, that takes care of irritability. Um, he came to the wrong conclusions about David because he stopped loving, first of all, God, and secondly, he stopped loving David the way that he should have loved him. What's the cure? The cure is love God first, love God most, and then love others as you love yourself. And make sure that the, the, uh, the, the lineup of priorities is God first, others second, and us on the bottom. When we do that, then uh, we have the right kind of relationship, not only with God, but we have the right relationship with others. That really knocks down the incidence of, of irritability. Irritability comes from sometimes just not having the rest that we need. Other times, it comes from losing fellowship with God. And, not, and there's, there's something God's dealing with us about, and it's, it's, it's underlying. It's not always real obvious. You know, you would not have necessarily, uh, six months down the line, after either one of those incidents with with Saul, you would not have necessarily connected the dots, but the dots were definitely connected. The reason why Saul had the problems that he had was because he wasn't right with God. And then lastly, he had sinned against love. Other folks loved him, but he did not properly love them back. And when we have, when we have those kind of things going on in our lives, then what happens is uh, we end up getting edgy. We end up getting irritable. We have a, a hair trigger, and we need to go back and take a look. Number one, am I getting the rest that I ought to be getting? Number two, is my, is my fellowship with God what it ought to be? Is my relationship with him, am I fully obedient in every area that, that God has spoken to my heart about? And then thirdly, last of all, have I sinned against the love that others show to me? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we ask your blessings upon the things that we have heard tonight. It's, you know, we're, we're talking about something that every one of us has experienced many times more often than we want to even recall. The fact that, uh, Lord, we just, we just get irritable. But we get irritable for some direct reasons. And sometimes it's just a simple 
as taking a nap and getting some rest or taking a vacation or listening to some music that will be a blessing and a help to us and help our spirit. But other times it's because we've let something slip in our relationship with you or we've let something slip in our relationship with others. In the case of Saul, both of those things were true. The reason why he sinned against the love that David showed him was because he first sinned against his God. And because he hadn't gotten that right, it ended up causing a problem in really every relationship. It caused a problem in his family, it caused a problem in his kingdom, and it caused a problem with those that are around him and served him. Uh, Father, that, that is the way that things usually fall out for all of us as well. Uh, sometimes it's the people that we uh, are around the most and that we love the most. They're also the ones that we hurt the most because we've let some things slip in our lives. God, speak to our hearts tonight. And if, if, if some of those things are... are uh, resident in our hearts and some things are, are unresolved, not taken care of. Help us to decide tonight to do something about it, to take the responsibility. Uh, Lord, one of the things that you, you uh, make very clear to me over and over and over again, and it's through scripture, is that we are responsible for our actions. Every time we start to pass the buck, like what Saul did, and pass the buck to others, uh, Lord, that causes problems, and it's, it stops us from dealing with the thing that you want us to deal with in our own lives. So, Lord, tonight I pray that we just be honest before you, and, uh, Lord, as you speak to our hearts, help us to say yes to you and respond. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's all